Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Dark Concepts, a supernatural horror podcast written and read by me, Brian J. Cummings. So this is the first episode of 2020. Um, at the moment, no solid updates. I've just been writing stories, as usual. Um, the only idea that I have right at the moment is that I might be changing the format slightly in the future. I might start dabbling in telling some of my true ghost stories. Um, if you think that's a good idea, just let me know. Um, I have enough to run a completely different podcast. Like, it's, I have a lot of stories. But um, I definitely plan on divvying them out to other podcasts as well. So uh, if you think that's a good idea or not, uh, let me know. So with that, on with the story. Uh, just, uh, actually a trigger warning too, because the story deals with suicide a little bit. Um, just so you know, after Mary's best friend, Beth supposedly commits suicide, Mary knows for a fact that it isn't the case and goes after the true culprit. The one that lurks in the shadows in the darkest parts of the mine. The summoning. Mary began to light the candles in a counterclockwise procession before fetching the diary from her backpack. The diary, a wicked tome recounting the memories and events of a mind lost in the torrents of life, revealed the events leading up to the supposed suicide of Bethany Page Williams. But Mary knew better. Beth was troubled, but not suicidal. She had lost her friend, but she knew that Beth was still with her, even in death. Mary was aware of the risk involved in opening certain doorways, but she knew she had to try. She just knew that Beth was trying to tell her something. She placed a dark, leather-bound book in the center of the complicated summoning sigil painted on the dusty floorboards and stood back, trying to remember the words written in the back of the diary, the very spell Beth had written down for Mary to recall her back into this world. She spoke them and felt the words reverberate within her blood and bones. The candles went out. Bethany was always a strange kid. Oddly quiet, and would often be caught staring off into nothingness. She was a tall, thin girl, and everything about her was pale. From her skin to her white blonde hair. From behind her glasses, her gray eyes carried with them an unsettling gaze that drove off many would-be friends. She spent most of her time alone sometimes talking to herself. This somehow attracted Mary. With her kind eyes and freckled face and bright smile, she could illuminate even the darkest of stormy days. She saw that Beth spent most of her time at the playground at school, often a corner away from everyone. One day, Mary found herself walking over to Beth. Hi, she said, in her usual bright tone. Mary could feel the darkness surrounding the girl. She felt that Beth wasn't having a good day. She honestly wasn't sure the girl had ever had a good day in her life, and this was apparent when the girl's unsettling eyes met Mary's wide hazel ones. Beth just looked at her, but finally managed a small high in return. Mary realized that this was the first time she had ever heard the girl speak. It took quite some time, but Mary eventually broke the girl's shell, revealing someone who, though quiet, was full of boundless imagination and love that the world would never see. 
Along with that love and imagination came a darkness that most would never, could never even imagine. Beth was damaged long before she became a foster child to a family that didn't much care for her, let alone nurture her imagination. She carried with her a secret that Mary had no idea about until after her supposed suicide, a secret she had learned from the diary. Mary was almost certain that even Beth's foster family didn't know the secret she held. The emotion that stood out most in Beth was her anger. Although quiet, she held within her a rage unparalleled in Mary's eyes. Usually chalking it up to a trick of the light, she watched Beth do things when she was mad that Mary couldn't explain. She had once watched what she thought to be a shadow walk out of Beth's body during their 10th grade science class and stalk around a darkened room during a thunderstorm. In 5th grade, nearly a year after Mary had introduced herself, Beth made a confession. I'm haunted. Mary looked around the cafeteria to see if anyone else was listening, although there was no need, since Beth always sat in the far corner table where no one else would bother her. What? Mary asked as she peeled a fruit roll-up from the plastic. She never bothered punching out any of the designs. It was too tedious. I'm haunted. If you want to get away from me now, you should. Mary stared at the strange girl, chewing away at her sugary treat. But ghosts aren't real, Beth. My dad told me so. He's a scientist, Mary said, though unconvincingly. Just because you and your dad have never seen one doesn't mean they aren't there, Beth countered. She sat there, as usual, without any food. Mary offered her food all the time, but Beth always refused. Mary would even try to give her her fruit roll-ups, and in Mary's mind, a sign of true friendship. Mary didn't understand how anyone could turn down those, but Beth always did. The first and last time she saw Beth ever cry was the evening after their high school graduation, a week before her death. The two girls were accomplished witches by then, and both were completely estranged from the rest of their graduating class. Mary had long since traded in her bright, colorful clothes for black, realizing the power it held, though never lost her bubbly, kind demeanor. Beth taught Mary the ropes of complex witchery, though Mary still fumbled the spells from time to time, opening doorways that Beth had to force shut. Mary didn't know what to say or do when she saw Beth crying. She went over to her to try to console her, but could feel the hair on her arm stand on end. The air around her friend felt supercharged with energy, unlike anything she had ever experienced before. Stay away, she told her friend, her voice almost whimpering. Stay away if you know what's good for you. What's wrong? Mary asked, her voice sounding distant, as if underwater. The small shed behind Beth's foster parents' house was silent despite the rain hitting the metal roof above. The light was dampened, nullified by the aura of the place. Beth's eyes rolled back, and her mouth opened, tilting upwards toward the single flickering light bulb hanging above. Beth then said something in a guttural voice that wasn't her own, her jaw fixed open and unmoving with the words. Some doors fail to remain closed once they have been forced open. Mary felt a chill pass over her skin as if a frigid ocean wave had just slammed into her, making her take a step backwards. When she did, she broke eye contact and saw in her peripheral vision a tall, looming shadow. 
This time, the shadow had a face. A contorted face that stared an eyeless malevolence at Mary, as if daring her to come forward. Its hand was at Beth's throat. I'll have you too. Mary kept her eyes on the ground, keeping the specter within her peripheral vision. It spoke again and Mary thought she could make out a sort of wavering light where the thing's eyes should have been and felt its gaze settle in on her. Go while you still can. Beth fell to the floor as the shadow vanished and lightning crashed outside. In the same instant, the swaying bulb shattered as a boom of thunder shook the ground. Beth sat up and backed away from Mary and into the corner of the shed, tears streaming down her face. I messed up, Mary. I messed up bad, she told her friend. What? What was that? Mary asked, her voice shaking. An old haunt. Something that has tormented me since I was very little. I can't speak its name. It has worked hard to conceal itself from me. In the week after the event in the shed, Beth remained at home, locked away in her room. Mary tried to get her friend to come out, to come over and talk about what had happened. But there was never a chance. Beth was found dead one early morning, hanging from a large tree in the forest behind their town, where many before had gone to end their lives. Her death was ruled a suicide, but the deep lacerations that covered her body stood out to the coroner as a possible homicide, but the suspicion never led to anything. Mary knew what had happened and knew that the thing that had killed her best friend couldn't be left to roam around in the darkness, to hunt for another unsuspecting victim. It was true that the wise don't play with darkness, but sometimes the darkness finds you anyway. As the smoke from the snuff candles wafted around the room, Mary could see the outline of Beth's pale face emerge from the sea of dark. Why? Beth said to her. Why are you doing this? Because you're my best friend and I know the truth, Mary told her, and read aloud the summoning spell, calling the dark spirit from beyond. Mary, don't! Best disembodied voice screamed in the back of Mary's mind. You would do the same for me, Mary said, as she took out a ritual knife from her side and sliced her left hand open. The opening of the ritual, the required sacrifice. A quick searing pain from the separation of flesh jolted through her as she now held her dripping hand over the clay bowl. Though the wound was only skin deep, it began to bleed much more than Mary expected. She wrapped a bandage around her injured hand, and then began uncorking the bottles to her left. The first was grave dust, of the human variety, an item she had acquired herself from one of the few mausoleums in an old abandoned graveyard deep in the woods. Grave dust is the final result of flesh from a long-dead corpse, and very powerful in dark magic spell work, and not the easiest item to attain, as it is required breaking into old coffins. The next item was inside a small glass jar, and she carefully rolled out the still wet thing into the bowl. A frog's heart. Human hearts were way better, especially when summoning a demon, but it would suffice for now. The last two items were a finger bone from a human corpse, and some tobacco, which, oddly enough, was the most difficult thing for Mary to find. Good quality tobacco was hard to come by, apparently. Demons have many names, throughout vastly different cultures, and there are very many different kinds recorded throughout history, but all of them refer to the same kind of being. 
Psychic entities cannot be killed, in theory, unless you kill the transmitter, which, in most lore, exists within a totally separate plane of reality, a lower dimension, but one that can occasionally have hold over this one. Although she wasn't the most gifted witch out there, Mary realized that there was always one thing that she excelled at, something she did much better than Beth. She could pass through interdimensional doorways much easier and faster than what Beth considered normal. Her primary fault lied in her getting lost all the time, and it usually took Beth coming in after her to find her and bring her back. Something Mary didn't have the luxury of having for this particularly dark occasion. She now lit the three blood-imbued black candles in front of her. One's designed to withdraw any protective auras the human body naturally emanates. Something Mary learned years ago is the last and sometimes only defense in a psychic attack. With her spiritual firewall completely gone, she finished the spell with three initial words. The air in the room became weighted and threatened her breathing. A claw grazes against her back, and she realized that this is it. She had succeeded. You are so willing to go? The being cackled. The voice high and cold, reminding Mary of the wind blowing through the hollow of the old hanging tree where Beth was found. I was coming for you, but I thought it would take years. You don't scare me, Mary said, her voice convincing, but her hammering heart indicated otherwise. You are a liar, it said, its claws pressing into the middle of her back. These were the source of Beth's deep lacerations along her body, the mystery the coroner couldn't figure out. But Mary knew something that the evil entity didn't. It was natural human resistance to those claws that created the gashes. It was the mind's resistance of losing control that led to the possession in the first place. A fine tightrope of fear that the psychic belligerent needs to understand to perform its horrid deed. Mary needed to play its game but only for a time. She felt the razor-sharp claws dig into her back, slicing through her shirt and digging almost to the bone. She clenched her fists, her face clearly expressing the excruciating pain rippling through her. What's the matter, Poppet? Don't like the pain? You should have known what you were in for when you... The entity stopped speaking, and the claws digging into her back stopped. How did you... The entity's claws sunk into her body, but were doing nothing. He swiped at her back, but did no damage. He swiped again and again, and Mary could actually feel the wind from the nullified blows. That was when the three blood-imbued candles blew out, smoke slinking towards the ceiling. It's all about resistance, isn't it? Mary said, her eyes closed but seeing. It's all about resistance and that resistance is a natural pathway to fear. The entity didn't answer, and Mary could see outside of herself now, see the demon take a step away from her. What is this? Its voice rising slightly. A trap, Mary says, as her projected astral form dove from the ceiling and collided with the dark shadow being, flinging it backwards through the spiraling vortex, the doorway between worlds. The sensation was disorienting. A spinning sensation overtook Mary as she severed herself from her earthly anchor, her body, the link keeping her bound. 
as she had done so many times before. She grabbed hold of the being, and its face contorted, but almost human, the eyes a deep red, but now possessing a strange kind of fear, and a face pockmarked with scars and burns. You look frightened, Malcares. That is your name, isn't it? The male form before her shuddered violently as they passed through a barrier into another realm. The being slumped over, sitting before an assortment of sigils and candles in a corner of a stone candlelit chamber. She grasped the figure as it tried to fling her from him, but she entered the host with his astral being. Malcares opened his eyes and stumbled backwards, knocking over lit candles and jars, bottles full of various wicked things. His gateway to the higher realms, the source of his misdeeds. You see, sometimes on our side of the universe, souls may be a lot older than the host, Mary says. Her voice overpowering any form of resistance. They tend to be recycled from time to time. I've been around a lot longer than most and remember your kind. She grins from an unseen place in the back of his mind. The fallen flames catch against some saltpeter, and in a sudden whoosh, catch against the man's robes. He screams and backs away against the stone wall. You killed my best friend, and you've killed me once before, long ago. Time as we know it has no boundaries to you here, but we do have methods of fighting back. She reaches from the darkness and clasps hold of Macares's mind, halting his struggling. The flames breach the robe and begin searing his flesh. This is what possession feels like on the other side. The being inside Malcares's mind begins to scream a horror tortured bellow that fought to shake Mary's resolve. But she had a new weapon now. She had been Mary once before, a Mary Whitaker, a witch in Scotland in the late 1500s who was burned at the stake for merely trying to protect her family from Malcares's interdimensional meddling. There was a reason Mary could go further than Beth on the astral plane. The astral pathways between realms were well-worn walkways that her soul had trod many times before. You won't get away with this, Malcares growled as the flames passed up his now charred legs into his torso. I'd say I already have. I've. We've been punished by you for far too long. I'll leave your burnt remains here as a warning to the others here. Your meddling will not be tolerated any longer. And with that, the tortured screams of Malcares reached a fever pitch before Mary withdrew her power and stepped back through the open gateway and into the void between worlds. The smoke from the burning body of Malcares dancing against the stone ceiling, being the last thing she saw of that wretched place. His evil spirit could haunt no one any longer. Mary fell aimlessly into the swirling darkness of the void. She had done what she needed to do, reclaimed her memories of her past life, but had no way of returning to her minuscule part of the multitude of possible universes. Without reclaiming her body, she would eventually be lost forever in the void, an aimless wraith doomed to slow decay while her body would remain in a comatose state and eventually die. The storm of darkness swirled around her when out of nowhere, a warm hand clasped onto her own. I thought I'd find you here if I waited around long enough, said Beth, her gray eyes gazing into her own. How? Mary asked, as Beth led her through the maddening maze of swirling darkness. Well, I'm dead, and you set me free. You set a lot of us free, Mary, including yourself. 
she said without looking at her. A faint glow of light emerged ahead of her and grew steadily brighter until they were on the cusp of it. Many don't realize that there is light in the darkness within us all. A lot of times it's just concealed around the many corners we create. She tightened her grip on Mary's hand. You understood this all along, though you didn't remember who you were or where you came from. It was that inkling that brought you to that weird kid standing alone on the playground so long ago. My story isn't over, and neither is yours. We'll meet each other again. She swung Mary forth into the light, saying one final thing. Thank you for being my friend. Mary gasped and opened her eyes. She was lying flat on her back. Early morning light was just beginning to dance along the horizon. She sat up and remembered the gashes along her back. She reached behind her and felt her shirt torn, but felt no deep wounds. She stood, her body sore, as if she had run a marathon. But she felt good. Better than she had in a long time. She grabbed the old diary and opened the door to the shed and looked out over the sloping field before her. Mary took a deep breath and began heading for home the sun cresting on the hill before her, shimmering over the treetops as the day took over the night. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, feel free to give a positive rating and a review, and feel free to subscribe or follow. To keep up on what's happening with the podcast or anything I've written, brianjcummings.com is the best place to connect and see the stories in a written format. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, where I release two-sentence horror stories every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'll be back in two weeks with another story from the darkness of the witching hour. So keep a candle nearby, because you never know when the lights will go out. The storm of darkness swirled around her dizzyingly, dizzyingly, what a stupid word.